Hey everyone, welcome to the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. To kick things off today, we got an exciting announcement. Uh, I just released a new hot sauce with my own brand, Crack Sauce. It's called Brian Baru's Curry, which is a fermented turmeric Ford curry hot sauce. So if you want to give this a try, be sure to check it out on crafthotsauce.com. I have some more background on how we uh, went through many revisions, uh, some failures, one explosion, uh, and where we got the sauce today. So I'm pretty pumped for it, but we're going to learn a lot more about some really good fermented hot sauces with today's guests. But I do have a quick message from our sponsor, Anton. On par, and this one goes out to hot sauce makers that work really hard to perfect that recipe. And once you find it, you have to think about consistency. A big element of consistency is viscosity. Simply put, how thick is your hot sauce? We've all been there before where sauce is way too thin and half the bottle is gone in one pour. And we've also had the time where you're hitting it like an old ketchup bottle and it's just not coming out. So the Visco QC from Anton Parr is not only the industry standard quality control viscometer for major food companies, it's also the easiest to use. So even if you don't have a scientific background like me, the Visco QC can be set up in minutes. And before you know it, you're using the same viscometer used by big brand competition. You know your hot sauce is perfect, so with Visco QC, you can make sure that it's perfect for everyone else too. To learn more about Anton Parr and the Visco QC, find the link in the show notes for this episode. And now we have Laura and Jared of Poor Devil Pepper Company on the podcast. And we have a music guest. Uh, it's the John Hatchet Band and the song The Devil Is Me. John is a country musician who's lived in New Orleans and Nashville, now lives in Maine. When John was touring, they'd host events where Jared and Laura would make tacos and he'd play music. Match made in heaven if you ask me. So the whole song will be played at the end of the episode. Let's go. Jared and Laura, thank you for, for taking the time being here this evening. Totally. We're happy to be here. We're excited to talk hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of, um, we, we caught up briefly last week, but we first met at uh, Chili Fest, I think it was in 2017, and mm-hmm. um, got to try your hot sauces. But uh, could you give us kind of just a quick intro into Poor Devil Pepper Company, what you guys make, and share a little bit more about your hot sauces and, and other flavors? Definitely. Yeah. So we are an all-fermented raw hot sauce brand. Um, we're all organic. We're based in Hudson, New York, and, and we don't use any vinegar in our products. So they're always refrigerated and fresh. Um, and we just really create hot sauces focused on flavor and good ingredients that come from farm, like regional farms in our area that are focused on like regenerative agriculture. And we're just constantly looking to bring more flavor and heat to our hot sauces in everything that we do. Amazing. So I sell a bunch of different hot sauces on, on craft hot sauce. And I came up with a category of non-vinegar hot sauces because Mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of vinegar. Like I love cooking with it and I've cooked a little used too much vinegar and it's kind of sharp and and really makes as well self known. So sometimes it has its place. Other times it doesn't, Mm -hmm. but I was going through the, 200 hot sauces and I was categorizing all the ones that don't have vinegar and there was zero of them. Right. <laughs> they, they all have vinegar. So that's pretty a unique thing, mm-hmm. um, which is possible with fermentation. Um, so I'm curious when, when did you, what was, did you start down the road of hot sauce or fermentation first? I'm curious how that kind of began. So yeah, it started down fermentation first uh i moved upstate new york to essentially run a uh, fermentation facility on a farm making sauerkrauts and kimchi and and all kinds of uh fermented foods um and in the background i just started experimenting 
um, with what what you could do, what you you know can add and take away from from uh, the process to really create not just hot sauces, but just in general um, sauces applying the same you know key principles you would to kimchi um, and sauerkraut with fermentation. Um, and we landed Green Widow was the first sauce we we put out. Uh, say you know, 2013 mm-hmm. was the first one we came out, and it uh, it kind of just blew our minds. Uh, <laughs> and the, the like, it just like, you know, everyone says that their sauce is complex and whatever, <laughs> but like I I would say fermentation like first and foremost like creates a level of complexity that you would expect from like making a 12 day gravy you know it's like yeah. like there's just so many layers to it and you're really able to capture like all the tastes you know like like natural sweetness from beets you know to like true heat of jalapenos mm-hmm. to like it just like it it all like winds up with this nice umami fin- finish from the fermentation it's like when you open it, when you burp it or whatever, you know, it's just like that smell altogether just instantly makes you salivate. And it's like, that's, that's the good stuff. Um, <laughs> Definitely. We're like, to what you said about vinegar, you know, it's like the first, first thing you get when you open something with vinegar or vinegar sauce or like, you know, it burns, it just like, it burns your nostrils. And like the idea of creating something that doesn't have that, but has a complete different approach to heat is really like what started the hot sauce journey, I'd say from it. Mm-hmm. And so when, I mean, the, the green widow, I remember having that at chili fest and, um, that was a few years ago. So I don't even want to try to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like such an idiot sometimes where I explain like hot sauce is like <laughs> a lot of stuff sounds like I'm, I'm saying the same thing. Um, but it sounds like that was the sauce that kind of opened your eyes to mm-hmm. the flavor potential and the com- complexity as much as that's used in hot sauce. But um, mm-hmm. how, w- how would you describe the sauce and some of the ingredients and processes that kind of transform that and, uh, and, and how you, that ultimately kind of led towards thinking about other flavors and, and new creations I feel the Green Widow is one of our sauces that has um, the smallest amount of ingredients, which is pretty great because I think that eat that flavor comes through even more. And like Jared said, with the jalapenos, the heat comes through so much, whereas a lot of other jalapeno sauces or green sauces, you expect them to be really mild. And so that sauce has strictly jalapenos, garlic, cumin, and lime, and just having that be the base and letting the fermentation do its thing, you can really experience each of those ingredients in the flavor, which is an exciting thing to do, I think, with the hot sauce. And then you also, on the tail end, with the finish with fermented hot sauces, you always kind of get that tangy, like fermented, sometimes fizzy flavor. Yeah, yeah. Where you can just tell it's alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd say like the, the big thing with it also is like the, like the unpasteurized step to it really yep. like it, it uh, keeps it on a, like a, a much brighter, mm-hmm. like, like a lot of times, like the green widow, like I'd say like a lot hotter than you would expect, you mm-hmm. know, than, than uh, heating a sauce normally would do. Totally. It's like um, an acidity. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it keeps that natural mm-hmm. acidity and, it's like a lot of the time, like, like pouring, it's like, you know, you can taste vegetables. Yes. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. I love the, the vegetable uh, <laughs> flavor that you can get. Um, so you mentioned cumin and mm-hmm. I, I make a fermented mash, which I actually pasteurize with, with a couple sauces. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, classify me as a, a pure fermented sauce, but I think I, I get some of the benefits of the process of fermentation, mm-hmm. but I, I was exploring a new sauce. Um, that's kind of a curry style sauce. I know you guys have a, a curry style sauce mm-hmm. as well. Um, 
but I was kind of thinking about spices like cumin, like garam masala, like curry. Mm. Um, I've used a lot of those ingredients that go into the spices like turmeric, coriander, um, and a lot of times when you're like making a curry for dinner or something, you're, you're really heating it up, toasting some of the seeds and everything. But how, how do you guys approach um, spices and, and fermentation? Uh, just because a lot of times with more traditional recipes, like in making a meal or in the kitchen, you're uh, heating it up and toasting it. But how, how does that work with, spices for your fermented sauces just go right right in there yeah um, yeah from, like the start say, they're in there yeah from the yeah. start i i would say like when it comes to spices you know we it's more for us about looking at the sourcing uh you know making sure you know they're not just fair trade but you know like where they're coming from how far they're coming from how old they are, you know, as much information as we can get about like what the spices are. Um, you know, the deeper, the deeper we go in the food and beverage world, you know, spices are like the ultimate rabbit hole that we've found in terms of like food fraud and like, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't a actually what it says it is and B just like not great from, from uh like either just like a handling standpoint or you know they got kids out there harvesting it whatever you know and i'd say like like that when it comes to like straight up spices that's like the biggest thing i'd say we concern ourselves with and then when it comes into going into a sauce it's really you know it's it's just in there with the salt uh yeah from the start and I think it is able to blend in nicely into the sauce. And during the fermentation, it has its chance to not, you know, it was like with cooking, it's like boiling down. But with fermentation, it's like allowing to start, it kind of expand throughout the sauce, right? Would you say that? You can say that. Yeah. They all meld together pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, good Good to know. And, and uh, I, I mean, I think I, I'm, on social media this past month or actually probably two months, you, you, you're seeing all the memes of like how it started and how right. it's, it, how it's going today. Yeah. Um, I know over time and just through experiences, meeting other people and relationships, a lot evolves and changes, but I'm curious about what, when you guys started, if, if you were to estimate like that, how it's going, yeah, like a few, like, I don't know, three years, five years down the road, whenever. But I'm curious when you guys started, what you were thinking about what this could become. I don't think we were. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I don't know how many years it took for you to take me serious about it. Yeah, I think. It's like, oh, that's something he just does. Well, I think, you know, we (laughs) we started like, Jared would start like on weekends or nights, just making like five gallon buckets of hot sauce just here and there. And then it's now we're making like 55 gallon barrel, like multiple 55 gallon barrels of hot sauce, which just feels wild. But I think it definitely felt like this side project, something like this creative outlet. And it was really, we did like these, the first show we did was farm and Flea in Hudson and that was the first time we had people like tasting the hot sauces and people were so excited and we were like oh gosh let's do this like let's figure this out and make it work um and that that was definitely like an exciting moment where it was people that we didn't know tasting it and liking it so we knew our friends and family weren't lying to us <laughs> <laughs> so, so so Jared you were doing this as like a hobby and kind of enjoying it what were what else were you doing then uh still like working in the fermentation facility yep okay it's just you know something i did you know like ended up with like a lot of uh seconds and extras from a lot of growers you know and just like putting them together um it's just like something and you like cooking too so it's like you enjoy like make and you're like artistically inclined. So I feel like the creativity outlet meets the food and it was, became poor devil. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I know so- something that I think really stands out uh, with your stuff and you guys are an awesome uh, kind of follow online with Instagram. Cause I think like just images with peppers and hot sauce and just, just art in general can be, it's, can be really awesome uh, when you're seeing images on things like Instagram and everything. Um, was that, and I know since talking to you and meeting you at Chili Fest and you guys are, are huge proponents and are truly a value added product by sourcing local uh, and everything. So how, how did, uh, was that kind of something that when you started it, you knew you wanted to keep it true to that route. I'm curious how you guys, how, how that evolved in some of those relationships and everything. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's always been like at the, the heart of what we mm-hmm. do. Um, like it's not, not to go in like too much detail or whatever, but like I was uh, at the time working as a bike messenger in, in Boston and got like, completely burnt out fried you know living too fast in the city and i just like kind of started losing it and we had a lot of good friends in upstate new york that were farming and involved in all these things and like the same time that click of like what are you doing to yourself what are you putting into your body you know like what are you eating like you know from working in kitchens or whatever you know it's like having always like having a love of food and then it's like not connecting like really what what's going on on like a farming level and whatever so like for me I just moved out here and like emerged myself um in that and like learning I would say I you know personally I don't have what it takes to be a farmer ever no Uh, (laughs) a lot lot of early mornings all yeah yeah just like the the hardest working people yeah yeah you know, been around in my life, salt of the earth. But it's like, I personally, I don't have that, you know, ability to do that. Um, and really just like, I think, especially as the brand evolves, it's like, a lot of it is about like, what we can do, what's around us and like, you know, aren't mm-hmm. being just like, what, what are growers left with, with too much of at the end of a season? You know, how can we turn that into something else? Um, you know, even like, like a, a lot of my thought process, like right now with R and D isn't even like that much about flavor as much as like, you know, taking, like looking at, at what, how much waste is generated in, in a food manufacturing business, whether it be like peeling onions, you know, skinning carrots, you know, it's like, you could take that and then re-ferment it and start, start all over you know definitely. And so like I don't know back I kind of like went off the rails there <laughs> a little bit but it's like it's it's really for us you know like reversing our footprint going beyond sustainable mm-hmm. and like being like doing doing our part to really try and grow something there naturally right and I think it would be obviously be easier for us if we sourced from anywhere but as it is yeah, we, I, well, yeah, that's like a big part of it is we only do produ- production yeah. one time a year because we want to be able to just source from the farms in our region and that's that's awesome it can be really hard to plan uh the year out because you never know what's going to happen but it's 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 worth it for us because we want to like help the like everyone make a living and not just make a hot sauce it just we want it to have like that heart and soul behind it totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can say that to like all the, all the, the things where we're really definitely, yeah, yeah, like all the collaborations with like merch or design and like artists that we work with and um, different like local organizations. We just want to be like, we just want to make sure we're like making a positive impact as much as we can. So I, I want to talk about merch because I'm, I'm, it's been on my mind because I've been having a real, I, I want to do a hot sauce swap and then i also want to buy one of your shirts uh (laughs) and and i that's been something that i've really liked to do as well with my own brand crack sauce Mm -hmm. is doing merch i don't know why i I like it but i I think there's something about me Uh, i come from a family of artists 
um, except I can't draw for shit and I, <laughs> and I, I can kind of do some other stuff, but I, I feel like it comes out in other outlets, but I think a lot of it is just kind of envisioning something and, and seeing it come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it, it, it's, I think the best, my most enjoyment comes from when I can see a vision, but I can't be the one that executes it, but I know somebody else can. And then I'm going to work with them and they're going to do something. I don't know if totally different, but something that I didn't think of or or did before, but Mm -hmm. um, curious, I know you do a lot of collaborations with, um, I know artists for sure, but I, I know you guys are also really into music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite collaborations that you've done um, of, a, of really any sort, I guess? I would say one of our favorite people to work with is Kristen Ripley. And she's local to our area and makes the most beautiful hand marble dyed fabrics. And we've worked with her really closely and she's done hats for us. And we're looking into do lots of other things with her, but her art is so like, it's, I, you went and saw it. It's just like, so focused. It's so, and it's, it's so trippy. It's nuts. The way that she dyes things. And it's, it's really incredible and work. She's such a like delight to be around as well. Um, so that's one of my favorites, but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Jake Creek's awesome. We just did a collab with him for mm-hmm. tie dyes. Uh, and then we, you know, we work with a lot of tattoo artists. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think, I mean, I, I don't know that I could pick a, a favorite right. one, but it's like, I think it started, you know, for a way for us to like include and work with a lot of our friends. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know how you, you know, you, you grow a hot sauce brand to like, we, you're not at the, the, the point where you can like hire all your homies, but you're like, <laughs> I want to work with them. Right. You know, I want to yeah. something with you. So it's like, what can we do? And then like, we just started like tapping our friends, Elena. I'm like, oh every, yeah. She's everything. right. Our friend Elena, who she did like our original label design and we know her from living in Massachusetts and she's just been with us and we're constantly just like what cool new design do you have now that we can talk to you about I mean she's always coming up with really really awesome awesome stuff so it's um the winter right now obviously and you guys talked a little bit about R&D and you just talked about planning a bit uh, is, is this a, a good time for you guys to kind of do your planning and everything? I know it also might be hard for planning because you're dealing with agriculture in a small region and you never know what storm or what's going to be growing well, what's not going to be growing well. But, um, I, I know through like making hot sauce since 2013 and, and, doing a really good job of, I mean, you guys have had some awesome press, but not saying that press is the, 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 right. or the, the, the greatest thing. I mean, you guys are making a great hot sauce locally and, and growing that. So I'm curious where, when you guys do a lot of that R and D, what are some of those processes? And, and if there's a kind of a, if now is a typical time where you guys do that uh, with calculations and yield and everything. So like like planning planning for you know 2022 is like pretty much wrapped. Uh, we try and like base that off of like seed schedules and like when when our growers are like purchasing their seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you coordinate with growers to say hey we're, we're looking at this much jalapeno or whatever peppers. Yeah yeah, yeah. and I'd say actually just saying this. Yeah, it was somebody in email. Um, but uh, the yeah, it's it's all. I I went from like hating spreadsheets to like I live in them at this yeah. point. Um, yeah, and you know, to like the one one production cycle a year, it's really just like like keeping a a careful watch on all of it, um, and then uh, you know, keeping your fingers crossed that you reach growth, but not. Not too much. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
the uh and then R, I would say R and D is kind of like endless. Um, I feel like you just will have a spur of the moment idea, and then you're like running to get some ingredients. And <laughs> we have a lot of yeah. ferments in our kitchen that um, are cooking. They're totally <laughs> they're fermenting. There's um, a pile of them. <laughs> I'd say you know there's like probably like four notebooks right next to me on this desk, and then it's like they're filled to the brim with recipes, and it's just like, yeah. I don't know. It's just there. It's like there are brands out there that just like you know put out three new hot sauces every year, and it's like that's just all they do. And it's like I think a lot with the pandemic and like everything we've we've talked about. You know, it's like really evaluating like what new products can we put out there? What like why are we putting it out there? Um, and all of that mm-hmm. when it comes to R and D. Um, that being said, you know, it's like, I love to try and put something new, like, like something new random out there to like limited batch, test mm-hmm. the waters, whatever. Uh, yeah. We love getting, pe- yeah. And we love getting people's feedback too, to be like, is this totally off the rails or is this yeah. something people are into and, or is this just going to explode during fermentation? We can't even bottle it. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's like, we'll try and get like a collab, like at least one collaborative, like, like sauce yeah. out a year. Like we're working on something right now with uh, Dan Nelson down in Pennsylvania. Uh, he's opening a new tattoo shop. Oh, cool. Has some artwork on a label for you you guys? Not yet. Well, he's okay, making a sauce for his, yeah, for him. Oh, cool. For, yeah, yeah. For his shop. We, we partnered with him for uh, some shirts yeah. a few years back. Well, I assume he'll do the label for the hot sauce too. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I I think this year is, is going to be a little different from my own production in that I'm kind of partnering up with a guy from the town next to me who is just got he's moving from half an acre plot to three and a half mm-hmm. and and I we kind of did a handshake deal where I'm gonna purchase a lot of peppers from him and, and a yeah. lot of other uh ingredients yeah and um i mean he has his he says his favorite thing to grow is like new mexico style chilies because his family's in new mexico and they do a lot of roasting and everything but he also loves tomato like shallot uh mm-hmm. gar- garlic garlic is he, he loves doing that and and i was just complaining of how many times I've like peeled garlic and my hands are so sticky and I just like it, it kind of drives me insane it's like yeah you, you gotta try garlic scapes like I th- really think like yeah. that flavor is going to be amazing it's going to work well with fermentation mm-hmm. um so I'm curious if there's certain types of ingredients like that that you've encountered with farmers where like they're like we got this stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, can you make this work? Uh, I, I know mm-hmm. you have some interesting ingredients that I think naturally like are awesome, like squash in your, mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't know if it's a curry sauce or not, but I'm curious if any kind of uh, ingredients come to mind that you were kind of presented to you and then you kind of formulated stuff around it. For the squat. Yeah. For the squash and the evil possessor, that, is one um that was like a well is that cornell cooperative that put it together that created that no i mean dan barber started that with some somebody the honey nut yeah yeah but what's the evil possessor sauce so that's our mildest and newest sauce to the um so the r&d for that started with some excess squash that's true yeah Um, so that one yeah so we used, right, there was excess squash when the, um, when it was released as like this new varietal and it's like a butternut, but smaller and more flavorful. And so we mixed that in with some, another experimental, um, seed that they started the badger flame beet, which is again, just like this big flavor complex beet. And that's the one that we mix chickpea miso into. So it has like real depth and like big umami flavor but being really mild yeah i guess that r&d did start with excess (laughs) (laughs) but garlic scapes are you gonna do it 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> worth a try. Um, totally. so I, I had a pretty big failure, um, <laughs> not a failure, but I just like, I, I, I was on to some, so with me making this curry sauce, I, I've, um, I spend a lot of time living in Ireland and uh, would travel with my job to the UK a lot in Manchester. It's mm-hmm. just like, there's a place called the Curry Mile uh-huh. and it's a mile of Southeast Asian restaurants that you go in at 12 o'clock and every single restaurant has their house curry. And it just like, I was obsessed with going to Manchester uh, <laughs> just for the Curry Mile itself. But I, mm-hmm. I really wanted to like, make a curry sauce. And so I've been, I was experimenting with that with kind of s- small batch ferments in mason jars. But then I, I just kind of made some assumptions that certain peppers would translate differently. Yeah. And, and I did a bigger batch into five gallon buckets uh-huh. and it just did not, the kind of the characteristics were kind of didn't, balanced with each other because I was using scotch bonnets, which were kind of tart and fruity and kind of at a higher level when I was using ghost earlier, which is more of kind of a Southeast Asian and Mm -hmm. has has a depth to it. Um, So I kind of just, I I screwed that up and (laughs) I did it in bigger batches, which I'm, which which happens. um, (laughs) Yeah. So I, I I guess like it's something to, consider when, when you're, when you're making test batches to, mm-hmm. to be recording stuff and, and not to make huge drastic changes. But I, I think I, I was assumptive that a lot of times it still works out anyways, but it, it's, Sometimes. yeah, <laughs> other times it doesn't. <laughs> our big, our worst experimental batch we've ever done was we made this like yellow. The plum one. Yes. It was like, it just turned into oh. liquor. It was just it was, it was like yellow pepper, yellow cayenne. That was another one. Somebody had like, that was a, yeah, that was an excess. They, they had like they were like whatever twenty bushels of plums, and we're like fuck it, yeah, do something. Twenty bushels of plums, these tiny yellow hot peppers, and we just sat there. I remember sitting there like all day, topping these little peppers, and I was like, this better be good, and it was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> the corn one also. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> Yeah, we tried this like corn. It was just too much sugar for the fermentation, and it was explosive. It just turned into like oh, a wow. Yeah, and it was like thick. It was not. It yeah, it definitely. We made a lot of that too. I feel like not. Yeah, it was like a, you know. Yeah. I would say like, at, at this point, like my industry specialty is like knowing how and when to scale like fermentation. That's true. Yeah, um, like that. Not just like doing it for a job for the last eight years but just like like how to ramp up and scale fermented products around like the season but they're and it's uh, hard yeah fermentation is so unpredictable it's uh (laughs) i would say you know like from a kitchen standpoint consistency is the end all goal right fermentation is the enemy of consistency yes (laughs) Um, so like so to continuously like try and get it between Mm -hmm the two two lines so do you have any tips or suggestions jared because just when i'm thinking about consistency yes it's challenging because Mm -hmm. jalapenos can be different taste or heat levels but with fermentation a lot of times you put together a mash and then let it age for could be a long time so how do you try to get consistent without having that kind of instant feedback um, I would say like like one a starting place for me like to, to building that is like gaining as much information as you can, you know, like when it was harvested, when it was planted, you know, watching the weather, um, like how much rain, how dry it is, you're going to then like start to notice patterns of like, it's going in and like, and how it's coming out there. There's no way like it's all time, you know, it's like knowing what you're doing, you know, over the course of like a 12 week period or longer, you know, of the life of what you're putting in it, but you're going to be able to start noticing these patterns and the output. And then you're just going to really like start focusing on them. Um, You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. like whether you're going to tone down, you know, a 
pepper because of how hot it's been. You know, it's going to be hotter than you want it to be uh, through a ferment or like to take the seeds out and like that mm -hmm. sort of um, part. And just basically like generally like how when in a, in a life and like the sugars is the other part, you know, it's mm -hmm. like certain varieties of beets, you know, are going to be way, way chock full of sugars that you're not going to want to like necessarily ferment all the way through that way. Um, and there's like, then just evolving it where it's mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to process this a certain way because of it, you know, uh, is really, a lot of that, you know, starting out was like getting lucky and just uh, record, like writing everything down. Like you yeah. said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, we got we got lucky very, very early on. Mm -hmm. um, lucky with just things tasting. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like the, the first three batches were like, yeah, you know. And then we start running into problems where you're like, wait, why is this happening? And then it's just a process of elimination yep. to figure out what that variable is. I'd say, you know, Cornell for us is like, like great. The, the greatest resource in yeah. the world where it's like, if something's off, you can like overnight it to their lab. And I'll be like, wow. Hey. Yeah, they're great. So I've used Cornell mm -hmm. to get my process authority letter mm -hmm. and, and it cost me more, but um, they're... They're, they're awesome. I mean, they have like so many, like if you're a hot sauce maker wondering what to do to get legitimate and uh, like they have a, so many resources totally. on their website, but it seems like, yeah. What, what else have they done besides like, I, I just think of the process authority, but there's. So then the same, same lab, you know, it's like any differences, especially, uh, you know, for us in, in fermentation where it's like, it's safe you know, you're not going to get sick, but it's not when you're, you're trying to focus on that consistency and you're seeing like, I just unexplainable differences, you know, they're always. They the, can uh, identify like different types of bacteria. And totally. Like, like when you don't have the money to like go to like a big dog lab right. that's going to run crazy plate counts for you. Like, like in, especially like when you want to determine types of lactic acid bacteria and all of that, like, they can't go full full tilt the way one of those labs are, but they could definitely give you a like a pretty good idea mm -hmm. of what's going on. I'd I'd also say like since we've gone down this journey, and it's one of those things where it's like I love it and it frustrates me at the same time. But there's like there's so so much resources becoming available in terms of like like. Uh, studies and now being funded and just like being released in terms of like mm -hmm. uh lactobacillus and the benefits and like like fermentation that were weren't available to us like yeah well early on when we were starting um yeah there's like uh ben wolf at tusks uh is doing incredible incredible things studying uh the effects of soil types and uh, the bacteria that are growing on them and all of these things wow. like that, mm -hmm. that affect fermentation. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. It's, it's so easy for me at least to get lost in the sauce and all of that. Cause it's like, like <laughs> microbes are so, so cool. <laughs> and, and it's also in your backyard. Cause it sounds like you've established those connections mm -hmm. with local growers and farmers so that you can, you know yeah. where the pepper you know where everything's coming from right, and can right. talk about it and learn from each other all together mm -hmm. and that you know a, a big part of that also and like like the types of growers back to like the types of growers we work with and like what we're looking for you know it's like like uh good dirt and soil health you know it's like back to the microbes that are in the soil it's like right. you're you're only really getting that from people that are like rotating the crops properly and like really putting back into the land, right. you know, in a, in a way that, uh, really in, in our opinion, like needs to be happening to, uh, to keep the planet alive. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about that on the podcast with, uh, the Tim and Caroline at kitchen garden, but mm -hmm. they were just talking about how, when they were growing, uh, that they, knew that <laughs> i mean they, they were needed 
to look at the balance between kind of yield and crop and regenerative mm-hmm. farming practices uh, because the, the place that they had inherited uh, hadn't been mm-hmm. rotated much in everything. But um, what I've been learning from is from folks is that you can get a lot more topsoil and, and really healthy soil when you're rotating crops and giving it time to mm-hmm. kind of regenerate and everything. But are there any kind of takeaways or, or things that you feel comfortable sharing to the audience about some kind of practices of regenerative farming and kind of differences in how it might come out in flavor or nutrition? Um, we also won't quote you on this. Uh, <laughs> we won't put you on Wikipedia for it. But. I think overall, like, like uh, produce grown on uh, land that's grown biodynamically and regeneratively is like, tastes so much better um I, i'd say a key part to it you know it's like livestock rotation um was it the the four animals yeah yeah i think the crop rotation is very important and i think for um like cow like having cows having pigs having chickens totally yeah it's like the full circle so you're putting more you know you have like a compost program that's putting back into the soils that you're getting those nutrients. And I think a lot of conventional farm farmers aren't taking the time to like let the land rest. And I know um, a lot of the farmers that we work with, they'll take a season to give like a whole acre, a couple acres, like that season to just grow back and just plant it with a cover crop and let it just like build back those nutrients before you're putting more vegetables into it and just give doing that rotation and giving the land that break just gives it the opportunity to just become that more nutrient rich and better for the things that you're growing in it. Awesome. I don't mean to to jump too drastically, but, um, I'm going to, uh, (laughs) and, uh, one thing that is challenging is sales and wholesale, like selling to stores and, I think it's it's probably even more particularly challenging. I, I would assume when you're kind of battling for uh, refrigeration space, mm-hmm. which is necessary. Uh, that's necessary because there's no vinegar in your in your hot sauce. Is that right? Well, and because it's um, not pasteurized. Okay. So it can't sit on the shelf because it will bubble over or explode or i mean basically with the fermentation the refrigeration uh makes the the bacteria dormant um or you'll leave it out uh or if it's out of temp it's not necessarily going to run the risk of going bad immediately as much as it's going to uh just start fermenting again in the bottle right uh, get a little active yeah get a little explosion (laughs) potentially definitely (laughs) And I, uh, that refrigeration space is hard. You know, you're definitely, people are used to seeing hot sauce on a shelf that's shelf stable. So yeah, it, like educating the consumer and explaining to them why it's good and tastes different. And we love, we love shelf stable hot sauces too. Like we eat them all the time. Um, and obviously we love fermented ones since we make them, but I think it's all about educating the consumer and finding the right audience that's looking for fermented probiotic raw foods and incorporating into, into like what they're cooking in an exciting way. So has that directed your, your sales approach in terms of which stores you're approaching in? And I'm curious kind of how, how that journey has gone to Mm -hmm. selling stores. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're definitely continuously learning, uh, you know, more and more. A, because, you know, the world is moving at an alarming pace of just like food trend and food trend or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, or just like current drama on hand and current whatever, uh, horrible things happening. But really, you know, I think getting to know our demographic better, Yeah. Um, you know, we we went through like heartbreaks in terms of like getting set up in some big chains and like finding just like as a small brand, you know, without a lot of money behind you, um, you can't, I I don't want to say it's impossible, but 
for a brand to like springboard into, you know, say an 80 store chain mm-hmm. and be able to keep up with it and like keep going. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard. It was a decision, you know, like we, we got wowed by it at first, you know, who wouldn't want to sign up for it, but didn't fully think through, mm-hmm. um, what that means, um, in terms of sales support, in terms of a product in a store, marketing, uh, marketing, like paying for, you know, big deal marketing, but then just like, like what that means. And I think us dialing it back and really thinking about like, um, mindful placements and like mm-hmm. where our customers are actually going to shop mm-hmm. and first like where customers are looking to try something different or like yeah. um there's there's a, i feel like uh always going to be some educational piece to it Definitely. Um, i think the more you know kimchi and fermented foods and sauerkraut continue to grow mm-hmm. it's like being important parts of of people's diets you know I think there's only room there. Um, yeah. And it's definitely, um, it's a, it's a new, new take for a lot of people, you know, it's like not their, not, not your, your everyday, uh, sauce to, to pick up. Mm-hmm. But we think once people, a lot of times when people try it, they're like, wow, wowed by it and want yeah. to keep eating we fermented definitely. sauces. Just yeah. gotta, gotta get everybody <laughs> right on the fermented sauce train yeah 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 i uh was was really impressed with your sauces and and i think it it, the the fact that it it is still a living thing that has so many health benefits that are especially coming out and and being uh kind of researched today is really cool but i think just the concept of that it's still alive and growing and evolving and changing in flavor is just something that just so cool and unique and just, and, and creates like so many avenues for more possibilities and and creativity. Definitely. So I, I'm curious where, uh, as we're, as we're looking forward, uh, what's in store for, for next year, uh, in terms of, of kind of plans and, um, and we talked about a, few, a couple sauces that you guys are doing, but if you want to kind of share some other areas that we haven't talked about in terms of some other sauces or, or things that you're excited about. Um, we have uh, a collaboration with Plainsley Kitchen coming up uh, for a, a chili crisp. Um, we're pretty stoked about. Yeah. Um, and then all of our zero waste. Our, our zero waste uh, chili powders. Mm-hmm from our, you know, the byproducts of our, our ferments. Yeah. Uh, some potentially uh, some sausage collabs in the, the works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. But lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then like, you know, there's always like one or two, one or two uh, sauces that'll uh, always sneak out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm hoping uh, we can can gather at another event sometime soon, whether that be Chili Fest or, or who knows what. But um, yeah, Definitely. hoping for uh, more open 2021 and everything. But um, us too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jared and Laura, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I guess if people want to find out more and and obviously see see those uh tie-dye sweat thing i was, I was wondering if i could pull that off and i i think absolutely uh because that looks awesome but um yeah well, i guess where where can people find you and uh follow you guys for its continuing oh. the journey um so our website is poordevilpepperco.com and then our instagram is at poordevilpepperco and then we have uh, portable. It's all portable pepper co for Facebook as well. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Awesome. Well, well, thanks Jared and Laura. Appreciate the time here. Yeah. Thank thanks, you so man. much. Thank you to Jared and Laura Portable Pepper Company. They make some unreal hot sauces and also have the freshest hot sauce swag out there. So go check them out. We're staying in the state of New York with our next episode 
with a guest that goes by Queen Majesty. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, here's the whole song by the John Hatchet band, The Devil Was Me. Go check them out on YouTube and Spotify. And in the meantime, if you like this episode, we'd appreciate a review. And if there's other episodes that you've enjoyed, we'd appreciate you sharing or mentioning it to a friend or somebody else that you think would enjoy it. Stay safe, everyone. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Lady in 